welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. It's going to be a good time. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to, turn to Mark chapter 7, and we've been going through the Gospel of Mark verse by verse, and uh, today, I don't know, I'm going to attempt to do something that uh, could be a bit difficult. I have 13 points for you today, literally, seriously, I know I've joked about that from time to time, but I, I literally have, th- and it's just from the Scripture, so, uh, but I do promise I'll get you out on time. So definitely you, I I will, I mean, for sure by three o'clock, you will be out, able to go get some lunch, dinner, I don't know. No, just kidding. Uh, 11.30 is the time that we, that we try, to, try to get you all out. Um, and so I may just have to continue on to next week. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Mark chapter 7, uh, just, just to give some context to this passage, last week we preached about how Jesus is writing a new chapter. Um, and he's writing, particularly in this particular story, right? He's he's dealing with scribes, the 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 the, the former writers of the writers of the old things, and Jesus is correcting them, correcting their vision, correcting their priorities, and he's instead wanting to write a new chapter. He's doing a new thing, and so I, I preached about that last week and about how prophetically I believe that's what God's doing here at City Chapel. I believe He's doing a new thing. Does anybody feel that that God is calling them to a new level? And uh, even personally, I see God doing new things. In inside of people's hearts and lives, and which means you have to let go of the old. So I talked about letting go of some of that old and just embracing the new that Jesus is doing. And, um, and that's, that's true. Well, now the story continues, and now Mark is going to fill in part, some of the blanks of what that new is. And actually, technically, this is probably not happening in the, in the same like time period, because in uh, verse 14, where we're going to start, it says, again, Jesus called the crowd to him. In other words, this is probably after some time. So he recently, uh, he was accused by the Pharisees and by the scribes of, of him and his disciples not washing their hands correctly. And so he punches back at them and says, you guys are hypocrites because you're, you're calling us out for not washing our hands correctly when you are actually breaking the law of God to honor your father and mother. And so he, he's digging deeper than just simply how we wash our hands. But for the Pharisees and for the scribes, that was a really, really, really big deal. And it was such a big deal that they judged Jesus and his disciples. They said, they said why do your disciples eat hands that are defiled? And that word defiled means unholy, or like we would say nowadays, unsaved, pagan. Why, does your, why do your disciples eat hands with unsaved hands, or eat, eat their food with unsaved hands? They don't eat hands unless they were having monkey soup. I had monkey soup one time in Nigeria, a little, little baby hand floating around, and it. it was weird. Uh, but so anyway, we're not eating hands, but we are eating with unwashed hands ceremonially, Unclean, And so you see how they had married what was ceremonially unclean with what was actually unholy or defiled. That's what the word defiled is. So they're accusing, with a question, they're accusing. That's usually how accusations come in church, by the way. It's not like, you did this. It's like, why don't you do this? And it's like, yeah, a question accusation. So anyway, uh, they're accusing Jesus and his followers of being unholy. And so Jesus says, you don't understand, man. We're writing a new chapter. Holiness is not based on how you wash your hands. But now Jesus starts to answer the question that really should arise in all of our hearts when, when, when defilement or unholiness doesn't come from washing our hands inappropriately or uncor- in- incorrectly. How do we become defiled? So Jesus gathers the people to him again. In other words, he's not, he's not speaking to the Pharisees now. He's speaking to those who are following him. And he says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Like, this is really important, guys. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Now, Jesus shares this, and even his own disciples don't understand what he's talking about. 
They don't understand because they've been raised for several hundred years, actually. The, the, the Jews had held to the teachings of Moses, which did say that if you ate pork, for example, that would defile you. And that's, that's coming straight from the law of God on Mount Sinai. So they held to that belief very religiously, we might say. And Jesus comes up and he says, hey guys, stuff that goes into your body does not defile you. And they just, they can't understand what he's talking about because, well, yes, it does. And, and, and actually, we understand that, that his disciples still didn't get this in this moment. Because even fast forward to the book of Acts... God himself uh, appears to Peter in a, in a vision and he lowers down some, some pork and some other unclean animals down on a white sheet and he says, rise and eat, have some bacon. And Peter says, no, Lord, no, no, Lord, far be it from me. I've never eaten that stuff and I'm not about to start now. And so again, God has to deal with Peter in the book of Acts more clearly. But here in this moment, Jesus is saying stuff that, man, his followers don't understand. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God still says stuff even when I don't get it. And he just, he just, he just is patient with me. And he's patient with these guys. And so it says that after he had left the crowd and entered into a house, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so dull? <laughs> positive and encouraging Jesus always always bringing out the best he asked don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them for it doesn't go into their heart now when Jesus says heart he's he's talking about their interior life he's not talking about the organ because technically what you eat does go into your heart that's why your arteries can get clogged, right? Because it gets into your bloodstream. So technically, what you eat, it does get into your bloodstream. Jesus says, no, it doesn't go into your soul. So I think a more modern term would be soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Jesus says, when you're eating food, that's not going into your soul. Even if it's soul food, Justin, it's not going into your soul. I just saw Justin there. No, why? I thought it was soul food. It's not going into your soul. It's going into... <laughs> We were, just, we were just in Louisiana and had some good soul food. Come on, somebody. Well, you had some. I, I, I didn't. I, I had gator. I don't know if that's soul food. It's, does that count? Okay. It wasn't spicy enough to be soul food. Um, but it doesn't go into your soul. It goes into your body, he says, and then, it, and then it goes out. It goes into your stomach and then out of the body. And then, and then in parentheses, Mark says, because he didn't understand this in the moment, but now he understands. He says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods to be clean. In other words, Jesus didn't declare all things going into your body to be okay. Because some people read that and they're like, oh yeah, I got, some, I, got, I, got, I got some cigarettes, I got some vape, I got some, I got some pot, and so it, doesn't go, it goes into my body, so it's, it's fine. But no, actually, those things do go into your soul. This alcohol, go, get, because it affects your mind. Anything that affects your mind is not just going into your body. It's going into your soul. And that's why, man, marijuana, even though it's the, the chosen drug of Austin, <laughs> opens you up to the demonic, your soul up to the demonic. And it opens the rest of your home up to the demonic because it goes into your soul. Jesus here says food, pizza, doesn't go into your soul. So eat as much pizza as you want. It's not going to be good for you, but, you know, you're not going to live as long. But, like, it's not like he's, he's, he's not condemning anything that goes into your body because that doesn't touch your soul, any kind of food. But alcohol, you drink enough of it, it will affect your mind. Uh, drugs will affect your mind and your soul. So Jesus says stuff that simply goes into your body, that cannot defile you or make you unholy. Because holiness comes from within. And he goes on. <laughs> I love it when Jesus goes on. And he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. And then he gives us this lovely little list. He says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, or out of their, what we would say their soul, that evil thoughts come sexual immorality, theft comes out of that place, murder comes out of that place, adultery, 
greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a person defiled or unholy. So today's sermon title is 13 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> because these are the 13 things that God hates. They defile us. They unholy us. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and have these things in your heart. Have these things coming out of your life. And so today, we are, because it's so important that we have some boundaries and to understand that, that God does hate some things. Psalm, uh, Psalm 11, I think it's Psalm eleven fifteen says, The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. <laughs> Psalm chapter 5 says, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes because you hate all evildoers. <laughs> Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. So if you're going to fear God, you also are going to hate evil. Proverbs 15.9 says, The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. He hates it. But he loves him who pursues righteousness. And finally, Ephesians 5, 5.1, I thought I'd throw this in there. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. <laughs> so, so we're not only called to love what God loves. We're called to hate what God hates. God hates that which would defile you. That which would separate you from him. And so these are the 13 things that that God hates him. And what's interesting is, as I was reading this, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so, so, so they have their set of things that they think God hates, particularly ways that they would wash hands. And Jesus is, is, is rejecting that chapter. He's tearing up those pages, and he's writing a new page. He's writing a new chapter. And part of that new destiny, a new chapter, even though Hebrews says that it is a new covenant with better promises... The way that we achieve and receive those promises is right here. Jesus is laying it out that these are the things that will keep you from the promises of God. Because all of God's promises are conditional. They're all conditional. His love is unconditional. But his promises are conditional. His love is unconditional. He loves everyone. Actually, the exact same. He loves you as much as he loves Hitler. And I say loves because he still loves Hitler. Even though I personally think Hitler is roasting in hell. But he loves him as he is roasting. Because he, he created him. He created him for a much better purpose than destroying Jewish people. Created him for a much better purpose than, than the evils that he did. Stalin also. I think Stalin. But these are some historical characters that we all can kind of agree upon. But there are other people in hell right now also. Actually, Jesus said more people are rushing to hell than are actually going to heaven. So, so he says, broad is the gate that leads to destruction. And yet Jesus loves all those people that are rushing to destruction. He loves drug dealers and pimps. He loves them. He loves people that use other people, that step on other people. He loves people that reject him. He loves atheists. He loves people that don't believe in him. And, they, and yet he allows them to continue not believing in them. And he allows them to receive the reward of their wickedness. But he still loves them. So his love is unconditional, undeniable. You can't, you can't, you can't do anything to affect his love. And he doesn't love anyone more than anyone else. So whenever you think that you're a little more <laughs> higher on his list, you're not. You're not. You can be in the slums of Kenya and be just as high on his list as the president of the United States. He loves, oh, and he loves Biden too. <laughs> and he loves Trump. He loves Trump as much as he loves you. He really does. But his love doesn't save us. His love doesn't change us. His love doesn't transform us. That's his power that does that. That's his promises. That's his great promises that do that. And his promises are conditional. Well, it's a lot quieter today than it was last week when we were talking about a new thing. God's going to do a new thing. But if you're going to step into the new thing, you, you need to understand 
that spiritual inflation is a deal. In other words, where the Jews were at, the law, the rules were simple. Wash your hands right, make sure not to do this, make sure not to do that, make sure da 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 But when Jesus comes in with better promises, the prices go up. It's called inflation because they're getting better promises, so it's a higher cost. So now the cost to follow Jesus isn't merely make sure to use soap and go do it for 20 seconds. Like, no, no, no. If that were it, that would be so easy. But Jesus is hitting really heavy right now. He's dealing with issues of the heart. And these people listening to him are going, oh, that, I, 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 that's, that's me. All of them. All of them here in Jesus, they're all like, uh, hmm, I've had evil thoughts this week. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was good, man. I was washing my hands the right way every single time. I thought I was good. And now Jesus comes in. He's like, yeah, you can wash your hands. But if you're, if you're having evil thoughts, that evilness is unholy and it will defile you. And so initially, this, this command must have seemed absolutely preposterous because Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. He had not shed his blood. He had not sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk with him. He's just exposing the human heart right now. And there was no hope. Notice there's no altar call after this. Mark just goes on. He's like, all right, guys, y'all going to hell. And then he just goes on. <laughs> He's, not, he's, he's like, you're all defiled. All y'all, like you would say. And he just goes on. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, well, there's got to be better news than that, right? Like, surely, surely, surely there's some good news in the gospel. And there is. The good news is that we currently are living in a post-cross era. We are living in the era of an empty tomb. We are living in an era of Pentecost. We are living in an era of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so just like the whole thing about the unclean foods, Jesus said that not for that moment. He said it in that moment, but he's like, you all are not going to get this right now. You're going to get it later. And so just like that, like, I believe this was also not for that moment except to expose the human heart. But it wasn't until later that people actually had power to respond to this. And so I get to do what Jesus could not do. And that is offer to you freedom from your evil thoughts. Jesus could just expose it. Because he hadn't died yet and hadn't rose again yet and hadn't sent the Holy Spirit. But now he has died. Now his blood is available to us. Now he has risen from the dead. Now he has sent the Holy Spirit. So now I get the joy in this. Maybe this is why Jesus told his disciples, you're going to do greater things than me. Maybe that's why. Because he literally couldn't take an altar call at that time. All he could do was expose it and say, the kingdom of heaven is coming. It's coming. It's coming. But I get to actually say, hey, it has come, and the power of God is available to you right now. So I want to talk about the 13 things that God hates, but not in a, not in a way of, hey, well, if this is you, you're just in trouble. But no, in, in, in a way of, hey, these are the boundary lines. These are the boundaries of the promise of God. These are the parameters of the promise. And you, not on your own strength, but with the power of God, can walk in these boundaries. And if you walk in these boundaries, you receive his promises. To me, that's really, really good news. It's really good news to have some parameters. You ought to have some things you won't do. That's what this list is. These are all the stuff that if you're a follower of Jesus, you draw the line here. Now, there's other things that you will do. There's other gray areas. There's other things. I don't know. You'll figure it out, whether you'll eat healthy or not eat healthy, whether you'll exercise or not exercise, uh, whether you'll attend your family's uh, celebrations and birthday parties or not. You figure that one out. Jesus never said you had to do that. <laughs> that just set somebody free right now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you've, you've been living with old regulations and you've been in bondage to people pleasing. And Jesus wants to set you free from that and come into bondage with him. He said, my yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so he wants to share. This is his yoke right here. And it's an easy yoke to walk with. And so I want to talk about these 13 things. And I want to just 
try to quickly go through them. All right, so number one, he says evil thoughts. This is one of the things that a Christian will not do. That a believer in Christ who truly believes in, and, and leans on him will not do. They will not have evil thoughts because evil thoughts are what unholy us. They're what defile us. You say, well, what's, what's an evil thought? Well, an evil thought isn't just a fleeting thought that comes into your mind. Because how many of you know you don't always have control of what flies in? <laughs> but you do have control of what camps out. Right? So birds can fly in, but you have control whether or not, whether, whether they make a nest. <laughs> and some of you are comforting birds that ought not to be making nests in your mind. They're living rent-free in the tree of your mind. And you're, and, and, you're, and you're making sure not to scare them off. So evil thoughts can be, you know, obviously sexual, impure thoughts, fantasies that, 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 that go against the word of God. Evil thoughts, though, can also be uh, things that are simply, like the word evil just means wrong, actually. In, in the original language, it just means wrong. So, so even, like, wrong doctrine. That's why you got to be careful like what you, who you listen to on YouTube because, because these, these, these evil thoughts or these wrong thoughts, these thoughts that are not worthy of God, these thoughts that tear down who God is, those are evil. Evil thoughts uh, come in, in various forms. You can have an evil thought of ungratefulness. <laughs> How many of you dealt with that? I've dealt with some evil thoughts of ungratefulness. And I, and I keep them because they make me feel better. Evil thoughts of self-pity can make you feel better for the moment. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, if it doesn't line up with truth, then it's a wrong or an off thought. Evil thoughts can also come through just, just participating in the occult. So you grab your horoscope and you see, you see what your sign is because you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. That's an evil thought. And then you go through your life. Well, I'm a piscus and they're a blah, blah, blah. And, and, and these are evil thoughts. You say, oh, that's harmless. No, it's not harmless. It's evil. It's absolutely evil. You're turning to some stars and something that some Egyptians named a long time ago to try to predict your future instead of listening to the Holy Spirit. So therefore, Scripture says, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report, you are to think on these things because everything else that you think on and dwell on, and I don't mean just random passing thoughts, I mean the ones you dwell on, that will unholy you, that'll defile you. And some of you are wondering why you're lacking power in your life. You're lacking it because your mind is unholy. And some of us have unholy or evil thoughts. They're just agreements that we've made with the enemy. Like when we were little, someone told us we were stupid, or maybe we told ourselves, and we think that same thought over and over, and that's an evil thought. God doesn't say you're an idiot. God doesn't say you're a loser. God doesn't say you can't do anything. But if you dwell on something that is wrong, and you know that it's wrong, you know that it's not true, but it feels true, but you know that it's not true, that'll unholy you. That'll disconnect you from the promises of God. And God's promise for confidence, for you to walk in confidence, you'll never have it. Because your mind is unholy. Not because you washed your hands wrong, but because you, you let thoughts dwell in your mind that you knew were not true. But the good news is, if you're here today and you're like, I have some unholy evil thoughts. The good news is that God sent his son into the world to die for your evil thoughts. That if you believe in him, he will give you the power to change your evil thoughts to good thoughts, pure thoughts, beneficial thoughts, encouraging thoughts, lovely thoughts. I think that was one of the words, lovely, right? Thoughts about God that are true, that are holy, that lift him up, that elevate him above your circumstance. He, above any agreement you've made with the enemy that will cancel every agreement that you've made with the enemy. And he sent his Holy Spirit to seal the deal. And so if you're dealing with that right now, let's just, let's just do this. Let's just, all right. I don't know how many we're going to get through. But let's just do this. If, 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 you're, if you're dealing, if you want the power of God in your mind, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need the power of God in my mind. And would you just declare a little something with me? Would you just declare, first of all, first, let's just start off, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and, and according to the power that God gives. 
I draw the line at evil thoughts. I will not entertain anything that is against the truth. Amen. Amen. Period. All right. Uh, that's good. Okay, so number two, the second thing that God hates is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. This is specifically actions, by the way. Sexual immorality, this is not temptation. Some people feel guilty because they're tempted by various things. You should never feel guilty for being tempted. To be tempted is to be human. Sexual immorality, though, is to cross that line from simply I want to do that to I am doing that. So sexual immorality, as listed in Scripture, is a wide range of things. There is bestiality, there is pedophilia, there is incest, there is homosexuality, right? Same-sex relations. And once again, you could be tempted, to, you could be same-sex attracted, but this is talking about actually following through with sexual immorality. And it's also adultery, if you're married, which Jesus is going to get to again. So that must be a really big one because he kind of hits it twice. And then it's sex outside of marriage. doesn't matter if you're planning on getting married. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, well, we're just, we're just trying it out. Well, like that's, that's defiling you. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and walk in sexual immorality, period. It's also pornography. Because the word actually is pornea, so that's where we get the word pornography from. So, so it is anything that God says is out of bounds or off limits. Really, sex outside of a mar marriage between a husband and a wife for life. It's also, by the way, adultery is when you, was when you divorce somebody for no reason and marry somebody else because you wanted somebody new. That's also sexual immorality. Serial monogamy, you know. So that's sexual immorality. And so Jesus is saying, look, there is no, and it doesn't, like, like, I love how clear Jesus is. Because I've heard preachers stand up and say, well, I feel like the Lord has told me. And if they say something that's just nonsense. <laughs> Maybe you've never heard that. But I, I've heard some stuff. And I'm like, that's sexual immorality. Why would God tell you to do that when this clearly defiles you? It unconnects you. It disconnects you from fellowship with God. It, it, man, you will never walk with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom of God, with the abilities that his, his, all his promises are not accessible to you if you're walking in sexual immorality. You say, well, pastor, how do I not do that? You don't do that. <laughs> it's real simple. You simply do not go to those websites. But, but it's really hard. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Whoever told you Christianity was easy, they are the ones you should go talk to because they lied to you. It absolutely is difficult. But there is grace for you. And I know oftentimes people who are single, they're like, well, it's easy for you to say you're already married. If you think sexual morality is any less tempting... <laughs> When you're married, you've obviously never been married, so. Uh, but, but I had 26 years before marriage. I had 26 years of purity before marriage. So I know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that to brag or to be like, oh, look at me, I never went to a porn site. Like, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm telling you it's possible. I'm telling you what your culture has told you is a lie, Stephen. It's a lie. <laughs> Those eggs have no power. They gave me no nutrients. They just, it's a lie. It's a, it's a quote. Anyway, but no, your, your culture is lying to you. They're telling you you're a victim to your sexuality and that your sexuality ought to reign your life. And that's simply not true. Jesus said, whoever wants to come to me, they need to understand their sexuality comes second. I'm first, their sexuality is second. I'm first, their identity is second. I'm first, their desires are second. I'm first, my law is first. My word right here rules their life. And when they're with their girlfriend and things get hot, they remember my word and they fear me and they run Ro and I when we were dating several times she literally ran out of my apartment because it was getting too much so you run out <laughs> because you fear God Jesus is dealing with people who actually want to go to heaven 
Like they love his presence. They're not just trying to impress a preacher. They're not just trying to be, well, that church said I have to, so I can. No, they love God. And if you really loved God in your heart, you would know that what I'm about to do right now, he is watching me. And this is defilement. This is disconnection from the one my soul loves. And I'm tempted by her, but I love him. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Don't you understand? Like to the Jewish people, for them to wash their hands correctly, don't you know? That was a privilege. Even today, you go on like the Jewish website, go to, go, go to Israel's like state-run website, and you will read that they are the only nation that God of the universe has ever come down and dwelt with. They talk about the book of Exodus on their state-run website. I was shocked by that. I was reading that one time, and I'm like, this is in the Bible. No, it's their history. They're really proud of it. Because what other country has God ever come down and made an actual covenant with? America? No. We're proud of a couple of white guys who apparently loved God. Okay. Woo! But these guys, God actually came down and wrote, like, his law on stone with his own finger. And they're proud to wash their hands correctly. Because this shows that I'm different from everybody else, that God has chosen me. They love it. It wasn't a burden to them. So what Jesus is doing is he's swapping that out. He's saying, okay, you've been, you've been, you've been working really hard to do that. Lovely. <laughs> but there's spiritual inflation. We got better promises for you. So now there's a, a deeper level of commitment that he's calling you to. So anytime God's about to write a new page, he doesn't just write a new page, he uses a new gauge, a new dashboard for your life. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you want the better promises? You want dead to be raised, people to be healed, the sick to be healed? You want, you want to see the kingdom of God come to earth? You want to walk in intimacy with the Holy Spirit? You want to be filled with the Spirit? Okay, this is how you do it. Run away from your girlfriend when things get hot. <laughs> Pastor Harry, it can't be that easy. No, it is. That, it's that easy. You would be sexually pure if you simply rejected that which defiles you. Some of you are here today, you're like, I don't know. I don't know. If, I, think I, think I'm, I think I need some help in that. If you need some help in that, would you just raise your hand right now and just say, in Jesus' name. All right. Some of you. Okay, Pastor Harry all by himself who needs the help of God to stay pure while married. I'll admit, I need the help of God to stay pure while married. In Jesus' name, and according to the power that God is ready to give me, <laughs> I draw the line at sexual immorality. I will maintain a pure heart. I will maintain a pure mind. I will maintain pure eyes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And by the way, Father, I just cancel every bit of, of shame and guilt from the past that would try to tell people that they're already messed up and it's already too late for them. They can't follow God in this. I break the lie of the enemy, which is bondage, because it always leads back to the same bondage that they supposedly came from. And I declare freedom in Jesus' name over all sexual immorality of all kinds. Amen. Number three. Wow, it's taking a while. It's going to be a while. All right. Well, I'm going to split it up. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get the, the rest next week. Number three is, is stealing or theft. Theft is, yeah, some of us have, have, have done that. And I, and I know many of us are like, no, I haven't done that. Uh, but the truth is, stealing is where you take anything that doesn't belong to you. And, and we, could, we, could, we could apply that to a lot of areas. Slacking on the job, you're stealing time from your employer. Lying on your taxes, you're stealing money from your government. <laughs> Grabbing a few things from, a few tools from work and taking it home to your garage that they won't miss. <laughs> well, it's getting quiet. You're stealing, you're taking things that aren't yours. I can't tell you how many times I've found stuff like in, a, like, in a, like in a store or whatever, I found some money or I found something that's not mine. 
And I take it back to the, the people at the store. Now, does the girl behind the counter probably stick it in her pocket? Maybe. But that's not my job. My job is to make sure I am not defiled. My job is to make sure I am not defiled. I'm not, I'm not here to make sure anybody else is, but my job is to make sure, as for me, in my house, I'm not going to walk in defilement. I'm not just going to grab things because I want them. I'm not just going to seek to, 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 to cut corners in order to, you know, tell little white lies or leave certain things out. Uh, man, when we first got married, our, the guy who was paying us, he wasn't paying us very much, but apparently he wasn't claiming certain things on his taxes, and so he didn't want us to declare the money that he was giving us. Because it's just common. People just do that all the time. Because he's getting a divorce and he doesn't want his wife to know that he's got X amount of money, blah, 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 wrapped up in different things. And, and yet our culture just says, oh, that's fine. You're just doing what's good for you. You're just doing what you can do to get ahead. Especially if you steal from the rich, that's fine. Because they're rich. So if you steal from the government or if you steal from the rich, that's fine. But Jesus says, no, man, if you steal from a poor old lady or, or Donald Trump, it's still defiling to you. It doesn't matter who you're taking it from. It matters that, that, that your heart is now disconnected from God. So real quick, if, you're, if, you, if you need the grace of God with regard to stealing, just say, just say, in Jesus' name, and according to the power that God's ready to give me, I draw the line at stealing. I will not take anything that doesn't belong to me. And instead, I will trust that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Number four is murder. And I know many of you haven't dealt with that yet. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus actually in Matthew chapter 5 boils murder down to anger. That's where murder comes from is a spirit of anger. But really, truly, he's talking about murder. And murder is where you intentionally kill somebody who's innocent. So I'm not talking about if you're in the army or if there was some accident or whatever. No, I'm talking about intentionally killing an innocent person. That's what murder is. And it's that same spirit that Cain had who killed his brother. He was jealous of his brother. It's a jealous spirit. It's an angry spirit. It's, a, it's, a, it's not fair spirit. It's, a, it's an accusation. I would be if that person wasn't in my way spirit. Right? And so it's, it's, it dwells up, wells up inside. And an outburst of rage, I think, fits in there with murder as well. Man, I can't tell you how many Christians, people who, who consider themselves Christians, but also struggle with anger. By the way, it, Christianity is not a consideration. If you consider yourself to be Christian, congratulations, but that's not what Christianity is. It's not something that you consider in your mind. It's something that you commit to and you walk out in your life. Nothing about this list has anything about how you think about yourself. This is all what you do. Right? So it's, a, it's, a, it's not just a consideration. It's a, it's a discipleship. It's a becoming a disciple of Jesus. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus, which means you have to lay aside all anger. You have to lay aside all outbursts of anger, which means you can't, like, go off on people and then come in and worship God. I mean, you can, but you're defiled. You're unholy. You're disconnected. So you're singing songs. Nothing's happening. You're reading the Bible. Nothing's happening. You're praying. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening because you are, you're unplugged from the source of power. You're disconnected. So man, if you want to plug back in, there are some things you cannot, will not do. Now, I understand sometimes your kids can be real annoying. I get that. But there are some things I will not do. Like I will walk away <laughs> before I will out, just lash out in them in anger. I will be late for wherever I'm going before I will lash out in anger. There are some things I will not do because it defiles me. Not because, I'm concerned, not because I'm concerned about them and how they can take it, but I'm concerned about me, about what defiles me. 
because this unholies me. This unrighteousness is me. That's not a word. But this is what it does. It disconnects me when I fly off the handle. When I fly off the handle in traffic, when I fly off the handle in Madden, when I fly off the handle, this disconnects me. Madden football. This, come on. <laughs> football season coming up. Some of you watching the Cowboys. You need to understand. Or the Texans. I don't care. But what you say to that television and how you react to that game, it affects you. God is watching. Yeah, the Lions. Well, we don't get mad at Lions anymore because you just expect it. But I'm, I'm just saying... <laughs> There's a defilement that happens. And, and like the, 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 the it's not about how it affects others. Jesus said it's not about that at all. It's about how it affects you. It's breaking you down. It's defiling. It's unholying you. And so, hey, if you need some help in Jesus' name and according to the power that God's ready to give me, I choose to draw the line at murder or anger. I lay it down. I choose to walk away. There are some things I will not do. I will not cross that line by God's grace and by his power. I'm relying on you, Jesus, to help me in these moments. Amen. Amen. Number six, number five, adultery. Ooh, this will be fun. So adultery, no, I just don't have, I don't have time for this one. But adultery is really betrayal, and it's a sexual kind, but it's betrayal. And, I, and, and the one thing that I feel like the Holy Spirit would say to a modern audience about adultery, because we all kind of agree adultery is not good, but one thing that I, I feel like the, that, that the Holy Spirit would say to a modern church, because I've heard people tell me this. One lady told me, she's like, I'm just waiting for him to have an affair so that I can divorce him. So what happens is we don't always participate directly in adultery, but we often participate indirectly in breaking our marriage vows to love and to cherish. So if you're always accusing your spouse of adultery, you're not cherishing them. If you're verbally abusing them, you're not loving them. So, so there is sometimes people who go outside the marriage and commit adultery, and Jesus is very clear that that's not okay. But it's also not okay to try to drive somebody outside of the marriage so that they'll commit adultery so you can feel better about yourself when you divorce them. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Because some of us would never go sleep with somebody else, but we also will, will pull back all of our love and our, and our affection and our devotion from the spouse that we covenanted with so really honestly adultery is about the opposite of adultery is keeping your marriage vows we need the help of the holy spirit for that Does anybody anybody need the help of the holy spirit for that all right in jesus name and according to the power that god's ready to give me i choose to keep my marriage vows to be faithful to my wife to reject any outside comfort that would pull me away from what I have committed and vowed to do in my marriage. I rely on the grace of God and the power of God to be the husband that God's called me or the, or the spouse, the wife that God's called me to be. And I know that God is faithful. Amen. It's getting quieter and quieter. Just in time to get to greed. Which is perfect, because none of you all struggle with this one. Uh, I, remember, I remember I was at Promised Land San Marcos, and uh, Pastor Robin asked me to preach on greed. And, um, and I said, okay, sure. And so I began studying the Bible. There's all kinds of scriptures against greed. All kinds of scriptures. All I mean, there's more about greed than there is, like, a lot of sexual sins. Like, it's just crazy. You, you, like, incest. There's, <laughs> there's more about against greed than there is against incest. Greed is a big deal. God is really against it. And so I was like, great, okay, I'm, I'm building my sermon. I got some Bible stories. I got, and I was talking to Roe, and I said, babe, like, I can, I can teach this thing inside and out. The problem is I can't preach it because I can't relate to it. I've never experienced greed. So I have a hard time, like, putting myself in people's shoes because a lot of times the, 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 the stuff that I say that people are like, ooh, ooh, that's good, ooh, that's good. Do you know where that came from? It came from right here. The Holy Spirit hit me with that first. 
Like, it might have been a few years ago, but the Holy Spirit smacked me upside the head one day. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I share with you a lot of the things that God has shared with me. And, and with greed, I just had this disconnect. I was so hard. I can't, like, I, I can teach it. I see it in the Bible, but I've never experienced greed. And when I say I haven't experienced greed, like, I, 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 I wasn't being facetious. Like, I really, like, like for real, like, I, like I'm, I'm 10 years old. I'm babysitting my pastor's kids for free. I'm 12 years old and Peter's nine and we're mowing lawns for free. We never charged anybody. We mowed mom and dad's, like our, our lawn, of course. We mowed my pastor's lawn. We mowed my pastor's dad's lawn. We mowed the church's lawn and we mowed my grandma's lawn. Five lawns every week, never charged anybody a penny because I'm not after money. So when I say that I'm not greedy, I'm like, you know what? I'll just serve because it's the right thing to do. I'll just serve because God has served me. I'll just serve out of a pure heart. We clean the church all the time for free. I mean, so much. I never had a job until I got out of Bible college. Because I was, and it wasn't because I wasn't working. I wasn't sitting around playing Madden all day. I was serving for free. Every summer I go on a mission trip or, where I raise money to spend in order to serve other people. Or I go to a church where I raise money to spend in order to serve that church. Like, like my heart is not to get rich. If it was, I wouldn't have left Promised Land and started this church. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not here <laughs> for the money. It's never been about the money. It's always about the obedience to the call of God on my life. That's my main focus. And so I'm like, man, I, don't, I haven't struggled with greed. I've never made more. At that time, we were making $40,000 a year is how much promise they was paying me. And it was me and Roe and two kids. So there's not a lot of extra at $40,000 a year. I got one Starbucks coffee every Friday, an iced coffee. It was cheap, $2.25. That's what I got. And, like, and so we didn't have savings for like the Roth IRA. We, we had no 401k. We weren't trying, we're not trying to build wealth. We're just trying to serve God, just trying to survive. And so then Pastor Robin asked me to preach on greed. And I'm like, well, I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not Bezos. And I'm not even some of the people in our church who are amassing large sums of wealth. I'm just trying to serve God. And that's where I realized something, though. I realized that greed is not so much about the extent of the stuff you have. As much as it is the extent to which the stuff you have has you. <laughs> greed is not about the extent of the stuff you have. I've met some poor greedy people. It is about, it is about the, um, the extent to which the stuff you have has you. So how generous are you with your stuff? That's the question. It's not about how rich are you. It's not about how money hungry are you. How open are you? And that's where I was talking to Ro, and she's like, well, you have like a ton of pairs of pants in your closet. <laughs> so I went to my closet, and, I, and, I, and I've been the same size since I was 14. So you do collect some pants over time, and I really like my clothes. And so I had this some of your, your jaw just dropped. You're like, 14? Do you think I was smaller than this at 14? What's going on? Yeah, size 28, 29, pretty much. And that's kind of, I got up to 30 at one point, And then I started running a little bit because that was just too big for me. And then I got back down to 29. So, like, that's just where I live. And if you keep stuff long enough, it comes back in style. Bro, this is in the 90s right here. Like, that's what it was. Cargo, baggy, like, we're coming back. 90s are coming back. This is my time to shine. I'm ready to go. I got the closet ready. Here we go. Like, you know, and so, and so Rose, like, you got all kinds of, so I go into my closet, open the closet, and it's true. I pull out all my pants. I have multiple, multiple, multiple just jeans. And then there's like corduroys, and then there's like da 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 And there's all these pants. And I realized I, I, I'd never give anything away. <laughs> I just keep. <laughs> I just keep. And so that's what I did in that sermon. I, I showed my picture of all my pants, and I said, if anybody's a size 29 to 30, I got some pants for you. And uh, I'll give them away. And I got, and there was like, there was like some teenagers that were like, oh yeah, that'll fit me. I'm like, I know, I know, I know how it goes. In other words, if you want to know if you struggle with greed, go to your closet. How many, how many shoes you got? <laughs> and I don't just mean your closet closet. I mean like walk throughout your house. 
Do you see a big enough TV? Do you see a new enough PlayStation? Do you see a nice enough fridge? Or do you have all these plans for getting more? In fact, what you could do is you could just pull up, I have Rocket, Rocket Money, I think it's called Rocket Money, it's an app that keeps track of like your spending. Just pull that up, just, just pull up your little Rocket Money. See how much went to the kingdom of God and how much went everywhere else. And the truth is, you're, like some, some, of, some people who consider themselves to be disciples of Jesus, and by consider, I mean in their mind, not in reality, but they consider they spend more on their pets than they do the kingdom of God. Because their dog is up here and Jesus is down here. And they would say, oh, I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. I'm not. Really? How much does your stuff have you? Oh, but, oh, but, oh, but I serve and that's volunteer hours and Jesus pays by the hour, right? No, I'm not asking, do you use your talents for him? That's, that's a wonderful thing to do. I'm asking about your money, dear American. Because us, us Americans will spend all kinds of time doing all kinds of dumb things. We're, we're real loose with our time. Super, it's not, it's not that important to us. We'll, we'll, we'll play little stupid games. Ro had a farming app for a while. or she's, she's farming in real life and farming on her phone. I said, babe, don't you, aren't you tired of farming? Isn't this too much farming? It was getting stressful. She'd get little alerts and little warnings. Like, you got to sow more wheat and you got to take care of the chickens. I mean, you have literal chickens right here on this property. <laughs> but we just, we just, we fill up our time. So to give God our time is kind of, it's, 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 it's okay. But for Americans, our money, because we're so greedy, we hold on to everything. We never release anything, especially to the kingdom of God. Oh, they probably have enough money. I mean, look at the building. I think they're doing all right. We judge what we give based on the need as opposed to what defiles me. As for me, my tithe is sacred because if I keep it, I'm defiled. You say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't command New Testament Christians to tithe. That's true. It commands you to be generous to give generously and joyfully. So if you look at your little rocket app and it goes down the list of what you spent the most on, Costco, right up there. You got Costco, you got Walmart, you got you got your 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 your, your mortgage. You got you got Hulu and Netflix and Paramount and Disney Plus and we just go down the list and HBO Max and you got all this and then and then there's God. four Starbucks coffees last month is how much you gave God. Then you know. You, 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 you can just know that you are not generous. Generous means more than a little, more than average. Man. Some of us need some help to be set free of our greed. If you need some help, be set free of your greed. Would you just raise both hands? We have both hands in the air. Like, no hands holding wallets, no hands holding anything. Like, like actually, you might just want to take your wallet out. <laughs> in Jesus' name, according to the power that God has available to me, I draw the line at greed. I will not put myself first. <laughs> I will instead put God first in my finances. My money will reflect my values. Amen. Finally, we got to wrap up. We're going to get halfway through. Number seven, we're going to look at malice. Malice means ill intent. It's not an action, actually. Malice is not an action. It is an attitude with which you will do various actions. It means you desire somebody else to fail. You're happy when somebody else messes up. You have something against somebody. It is an attitude of your heart. And Jesus said, if you have malice toward anybody, it is unholying you. 
It is disconnecting you. It is defiling you. Oh, but I, I, I prayed a prayer. That's good. But if your prayer doesn't mean you walk away and release all malice in your heart, your prayer was pointless. Because the power of God is not to come and pray a prayer. The power of God is to receive the promises of God. And the promises of God come through releasing all malice in your heart toward everybody. Unforgiveness is another good way to say it because usually we have malice toward people that we have some bad experiences with. We don't naturally have malice toward uh, people that we don't know. Now, sometimes with regard to racism, that, that's a whole, whole other deal. And there can be malice, racism toward people you don't know just because of the color of their skin or the, or the, or the background or the tattoos on, on their arm. So that is a form of malice. But I think most of us here in the church, we, we develop malice by being wounded. And God says there's no room for any malice, whether it's against somebody's tattoos or whether it's against what they did to you that was wrong. So malice is, is anything in your hearts, any unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, by the way, is not just a, an action. It's a, it's a root. The Bible says that is there, there is a root of bitterness that can, and a root never just sits there. So you think it's just sitting there, but it's actually underneath the surface, it's growing tentacles. And it's affecting everything that you are. It is wrapping around your heart, around your mind, around your will, around your emotions. You say, Pastor, hey, I don't know, how to, don't know how to release people. Well, you simply, according to the power of God, choose to not hold anything against anybody. That's how you do it. And I'm not saying it's easy, like sexual immorality. I'm not saying that, oh, you just simply don't do it. Isn't that easy? No, no, no it's tough. It's really tough when people, especially when they've mistreated you, it's really tough to, to bless those who curse you. Difficult and near impossible on your own. But if you will submit to the power of God, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and will empower you to do what you can't do on your own. He'll say, cool, you want, you want to bless those who curse you? That's what I want for you. And I'm going to come alongside you, and I'm going to help you. And every time you think of that person, and you think of what they did, and you're tempted to, to, to get angry and to feel malice, you're going to submit it to me. You're going to give it to me. You're going to take it to the foot of the cross, and you're going to see what happened to Jesus. And you're going to live in light of a crucified Jesus, betrayed by his friends, killed by the people he came to help tortured by the people who were arrogantly thought they were in charge when really there was just temporarily holding the spot look to Jesus and I dare you to feel malice toward people when you are having your eyes set on Jesus can't do it <laughs> because if he endured such things from such awful people and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man, what, what, what is my response? Can it be anything different if I really believe that I'm responsible for crucifying Jesus and I've received his forgiveness? In fact, would you just stand with me here at this, I guess, last point, the midway mark. And if you're needing help releasing some malice in your heart, I'll join with you because I need constant help from God to release people who have wronged me and continue to wrong me. I need his grace to release him. So would you just raise your hands in an act of surrender? Father, in the name of Jesus and in accordance with God's power, I choose right now, because you have the power, I choose right now to release everyone who has ever wronged me, everyone that I have ever been angry at or bitter toward. I release them. They don't have to ever pay me back. 
<laughs> they don't have to make it right. Jesus has made it right. <laughs> and so I bless them. Father, I pray that you would bless them. Pray that you would pour out your blessings on them. The same way that you've blessed me, bless them. Bless their finances. Bless their relationships. Bless their opportunities. Man, love on them today, Father. <laughs> and if you can use me to bless them, I'm available. Yeah, if I have something they need, I'm available. <laughs> it would also help with greed, I think. I think that would also help with greed a little bit. If, if I have something they need, Father, I'm available. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, that's awesome. Spiritual bath today. Uh, we had a little spiritual bath. I was up here with the hose just spraying some of you guys off. Some defilement, just getting, getting it off you. Just with the word of God. It's so freeing. It's not burdensome. It's good news that we can walk in freedom. So I just uh, dismiss you today. Go out, walk in freedom, and come back next week for the, the other things. The six other things. It's even more fun next week. Woo! Also back to school. We're praying over the kids.